Well, well, well. Welcome to These American Hands Podcast. I'm Justin Dietrich, and joined with me this evening is Chris Bishop. Let the soothing tones of my wondrous voice take you through a challenging and tantalizing adventure through the English language as I come into you with a new microphone. So what do you think, Chris? Is my new microphone that cool? Your new microphone is great. Um, I, I can't believe it's not butter, but it's your voice. I hope that our listeners can appreciate my new microphone. And I'm going to try really hard not to yell into it. Hopefully the speed and the distance of my voice is good. So we'll just have to find out. It sounds good on my end. I've actually noticed that I'm obviously a little louder of the two, so I think I need to back down a little bit. Yeah. Well, better editing skills would take care of that, but I'm too lazy. Well, at least you're honest. (laughs) Well, everyone, welcome to episode four, right? This is episode four of these American Hands podcasts. And Chris and I actually, before we hit the record button, we're just discussing how this was going to be our best one yet. This is going to be the best podcast yet that we've put together. This is it. This is the beginning of the next part. So folks, welcome to the new adventure because... As we uh, continue to try and increase the quality of this podcast, I can't promise you that as millions of followers come to us, I can't promise you that, you know, we'll have time for everybody at some point. So get, let your voice be heard now while, while we still have a manageable crowd. Yeah. Do you not agree, Chris? Oh, uh, I'm, our following is growing. I think it's actually doubling by the first or second episode. Already. I was going to use the word tripling. Whoa, tripling. Yeah. So like I. The locomotive, uh, once you get it rolling, it, it's just going to catch speed. Yeah. And once trying. that speed catches up. So we have got uh, a really good podcast planned for you this evening or this morning, or this afternoon, whatever it is when you're reading this, or listening to this, I should say. But uh, what we actually want to do tonight is we're going to kind of piggyback off of our last topic, um, because there were some things that I think we could have went a lot more into detail about. Uh, We talked a lot about some people that we knew growing up, or that influenced us. On this one, we want to talk more about maybe the people that we are teaching now and turn it back around a little bit. I don't know if you and I are actually influencing anyone. Well, I'm, I'm sure that we're influencing. I don't know that we're influencing in the right way all the time. Time will tell on that, I guess. Yeah. uh, Well, that's, that's true. I mean, I've had a couple of people that have gone on and did some pretty awesome stuff so far. So I mean, I'm not going to take credit for all of it, but I don't think I deterred from anything they've done. I do too. I was actually talking to one of them today, but uh, no, there's that would be a really good conversation for another one of 
specifically what are some really positive things that we have been a part of that have turned for people that have turned back around and the positive things that they're doing after they left our programs, classrooms, what have you. So, yeah. But uh, so what we want to talk about tonight is uh, teaching and coaching now versus then. And Chris and I were both born in the 80s. I was born in 82. Chris was born in 85. And so we've definitely seen a wide range of things that we saw that we were a part of growing up. And then things that we went through when we were young and we were first starting to teach and coach. And now things as we are, you know, and the midway of our careers, we could say teaching and coaching. So, but, uh, so we wanted to kind of talk about some of those things that we've seen. Do you um, mean like dial up internet and, and phones with cords on them? Or are you talking about people? <laughs> Is that what you want sure. to know? Okay. That would definitely be something because cassette tape. trying to explain that to students now is, is not an easy task. Just as I was talking last week about, um, how I make students handwrite a letter to someone, anyone, they get to choose the person. It can even be someone in their own house, but they have to handwrite a letter to someone. It can say anything school appropriate. And then they have to address the envelope. And then I put them in the mail. And it's interesting in this day and age of technology where, you know, a text message or an email really now is, is really become uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Not personal. Whereas a handwritten letter from somebody, a handwritten card, you know, really shows that somebody took some time for you that day. So not to get too far off the subject, but that's one example. But so what we want to talk about are, are you know, what we've seen. And yeah, Justin, don't get off the topic. I, lo- I listened to the opening of the last episode. I think the first eight minutes were devoted to letter writing, which was an interesting intro compared to what we had. Well, this is, <laughs> well, this is your job. Your job is to keep me on track. So. And, I'm, and I'm trying to. So here, here's what Justin's going to get into next. So everybody knows. And so Justin knows this topic. Uh, he's going to start talking about the kids and uh, how, how they've changed. How we've perceived they've changed. That's how, that's how we should focus that question is how have kids changed over time that we, we've noticed ourselves? And we have definitely, it is so easy to hear the term like, ah, kids these days. Ah, these kids don't get it. They don't get it. They're, they couldn't hack it, blah, blah, blah. And um, Chris and I both have examples of kids that do get it. And that are legit people that are doing big things in the world now. But I think it is so easy to fall into that trap of that, you know, students or young people, young adults are the way they are right now um, because they don't have any respect, because they don't appreciate anything, because blah, 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 blah. And both Chris and I feel pretty strongly that. The students now are literally, they're, they're a product of what they've been raised into. I think I'm taking the words out of your mouth, Chris, but that's what you said, correct? Now I feel like I'm on the stand. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, essentially what, what I said is, and, and this part, actually, you said back to me, kids are kids. So, you know, what we're seeing is some of the things that are are kind of being given to them, or I'll take a different direction with it. Some people aren't holding them as accountable as maybe they should be at times. And as a kid, I mean, I've got kids in my home. You've got kids in your home. Um, if you give a lot of leeway to even your kids at home, they're going to try to get away with stuff and, and do the least amount of work possible. And so it's just sometimes it's holding people to a standard. And we, and we all do it, and we do it in different ways. Um, and so I think that's maybe the big thing is just – holding holding them accountable and expecting a lot out of them when we talk a lot about that in education like what do we expect someone to be able to do you know um and and how do you get them to that point and sometimes a lot of it is just accountability you know hey you were supposed to do this and that and you didn't so here's what's going to happen because of that and um a lot of there's there's been some negativity to that which i mean i could understand if it's uh really harsh punishment or some whatever but but there are i mean in life if you don't do the things you need to do you know you can't expect other things to just end up in a good spot and so sometimes i think that just gets missed um we're just not holding someone accountable uh as happened so something that i've excuse me Something that I have picked up as a coach um, is that I have become a better coach as I've become a better father, or at least I would like to think so. Those two things, I've learned so much uh, from coaching about that I I use principles that I've learned about coaching and teaching, and I use those in my personal life as a father. And then there's things that I've learned from my two young boys, there's things I've learned from them that I take with me into teaching and coaching. And I, you know, Chris, I know you feel the same way I do. Um, I am, (laughs) the older I get, the more I realize, the less I know. And I've continued to try and grow and trying to develop myself and become a better coach and a better teacher and a better father. And it's so interesting how all three of those things have worked together. Um, You started off by saying that, that, you know, you know, kids, students are, they're, they're really a a product of their own environment, you know, and both, and, and, and we're not, we're not taking this discussion tonight in the direction of, oh yeah, kids are horrible and blah, blah, blah. That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is that, that things are different than they were 20 years ago to 40 years ago to 60 years ago. You and I were different than the generations before us. And there are different things that intrinsically motivate students now than what intrinsically motivated you and I. And I will say this as a woodshop teacher, the one thing I've learned that is really refreshing is I think everybody falls into this trap of, oh, well, kids, they're just interested in their phones and game and video games. And if it's not along those lines, they're not interested in it. And I get students that 
might even be failing, you know, a couple classes, high school classes. They might not be doing well in an English class or a math class, but they come into my wood shop and they go, oh, wait, I get to create something. I get to make something with my hands. I get to design and build. And not only am I going to create this thing, I get to take it home. I get to use it in my own house. And they start to see the purpose of themselves or they start to see the value in their own work and they can really start to see value in their time at school. And so for me, the, you know, students are the same. They've always been, they've just, they have different factors now that, that play into the things that they either like or that they want to pursue. But, you know, those things start at home and teach teaching children teaching children those core values you know that hey you know you respect people um you know one of one of my most important things as a father that i want my my sons to grow up and do i i want them to want to be successful on their own and that's not going to happen with me making them do things I mean, you know, I can get them to mimic some things. And yeah, there's definitely, we have, uh, my wife and I have, you know, chores for them at home and we have certain rules here at home that they have to abide by. And, you know, and they, you know, the, all the basic things that, that people and families are, are teaching their children, but we're really adamant about those things. And if those things aren't being met, if those standards aren't being met, then, you know, they don't get to do other things. And I think at a young age, the sooner that you can get those core values imprinted into their mind, the the more successful they're going to be later on. A perfect example, I heard this example given the other day, and I don't, I think it was on a podcast I was listening to, and I don't remember which one, but it was talking about the Titanic when they were, when they set, when they hit the water and they were coming across the Atlantic ocean and the Titanic, how far back from that iceberg could they have just turned one to two degrees in the right direction? And they would have completely avoided and missed the entire iceberg. Like how far back does that have to go? My example being is, you know, if you're teaching a two-year-old and a three-year-old, um, hey, you speak you speak respectfully to people. You know, you look people in the eye when you speak to them. If you teach a two or three-year-old that one little thing right there, that is going to be imprinted into their brain forever. That's just going to be the way they live their life now because they've only known that one thing. But if you want to try and impersonate that at them at 14, when you haven't made them do that for 13 years, well, then guess what? They, they've, you've, you've already laid the tracks. It's like all you did was look out the end of that boat, look out at the end of the Titanic and saw an iceberg. And now it's too late. You know, you're going to hit it. So if you would have went back in that timeline where could you have changed that trajectory just making that one little change? That's a that's an interesting way to put all that. You know, when when I was when I was trying to get in earlier, um, my point, and you were you were making it without saying it directly, is 
isn't it great that people are different? You've got students that um, love math class and they just kill it with numbers or English or their history class or whatever it is. Um, and then you got kids that like the shop class or whatever. And, and that's where you see the spark. And that's why you have people that are really great at their jobs no matter what it is. is because if everybody just liked the same things, we'd be living in a pretty boring spot. Um, so I think that's part of it is figuring out what they like and then using that as the push for the positive. You know, they find their niche and then it's like, okay, well, now we found something you like. So what can we do to expand it? And I got a couple other things that, that just as you were talking, I was thinking of, you know, uh, if you've ever watched World War II in color documentary, I believe the History Channel made it, I don't know how long ago, maybe a decade ago. One of the things that's interesting is they go through people's diaries and, and journals and things like that. And there was a journalist <clears throat> that was going to actually go into the fight, follow the troops, kind of document everything going on. But before he leaves, and, and I might be a little off on that, but I, I'm pretty close here. Um, he basically wrote a piece talking about the youth of America and talking about if this large war breaks out and we have to enter, we are going to be unprepared because the youth at that time was not like their forefathers and they hadn't had the rough time and they haven't lived through all these things. And, um, and it was just interesting to, to hear that. And then you, you take it into today and, and you talk to people and like, well, if we really got in a bad spot, we'd really be struggling. And, and I don't know if people can handle it, but I, I think we don't give people enough credit for being as resilient as they are, no matter where they are in the world. Um, people handle situations when they're put under stress. Um, usually better than we think they can. Now, some people don't, but but society as a whole sometimes has a way of correcting itself. And another example that I'm going to show or something I see, when you talk about like a stock market, when you have a recession or you have a crash, right? And then we're just thinking about all the negative things that are going on, okay? Now I'm going to put a different spin on this. Think about the last year, what's kind of happened to some of the younger folks, if you think of a stock market, you know, we're rising, things are going pretty good. And and now emotionally, and I think physically, you know, they've been kind of, they kind of hit that low end because there's been a lot of things were stagnant. Schools were pretty stagnant. Sports were stagnant. Activities were stagnant. Well, where we've seen that is a downtrodden and people are worried and there's a right to be worried. I think of it as, okay, hopefully we kind of hit that bottom. And now... Hopefully we can start to see the rise. And I am seeing that somewhat. The kids that are back in school or even the kids that are back in sports, and I've seen this a lot with with the boys and girls that are at our high school that are getting a chance to work out or maybe their sports starting, they're interested in what you have to say. They want to be there. Um, and they really you, – you just, just – the feel, the energy is there. And so to me, the grasp is, okay, hopefully we're riding this thing back up and – and uh, the, the downward part has kind of hit its spot, and we're, and, we're, and we're doing our thing now. And I think that's important to grasp the moment and, and to use it to, to, to direct. Because I do think right now the ears are open, the antennas are up, and I think they're paying attention to what's going on, and, and they're realizing, hey, I got a shot to do some, some things that were normal that I realize are a lot more positive maybe than I even thought before. So that's the end of my rant with that. Well, 
even even as a, even as adults, I mean, how how much of an eye opener has the last year been on don't take sports for granted, don't take school for granted, don't take like I mean, how have you to a felt restaurant? that in the last year? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, all those things. Whether it's your favorite place to go walk down and grab a meal, you know, that changed. If you were going to go to a movie theater, that 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 changed. And so, yeah, so hopefully, coming out of this next part, you know, everybody's appreciating those things that they have, and the people that are next to them. Um, and and I could see that, hopefully, being on the rise. So a note that I wrote down when I was kind of thinking about some of these things that we were going to discuss tonight and something that I've noticed and something that you just hit on a little bit was, and I I personally understand this because honestly, I feel like it's one of the biggest reasons why I got into teaching and coaching, but kids need to see relevance in what they're doing. They need to see the why of why it is what they're doing. And the reason why that hits me really hard is because I remember I was not a good student in high school. I was not a good student. And I it's interesting as a teacher and a coach now, sometimes I run into a teacher that had me when I was younger or when I was in junior high or high school, whatever. And they see me and they're like, you're a teacher? <laughs> like, how is this possible? Um, and I understand why they say that. And they're right to say it like that because I, my motor was going all the time. And, you know, to any of them, if any of them ever listen to this, I apologize for those of you that might have some ill feelings towards me when I was 11, 12 years old, but you know what, though? But if you've been in that position long enough, I mean, because I've, I've pretty much always taught middle school kids, just like you're doing now, you realize it later. And I've had a lot of kids come back and say stuff like that. And my, my point being, as a teacher, you've seen that a lot. And, and that's okay. That's a part of the age. And, and as a teacher, as you're there longer in that age group, you have to, you have to realize that. I mean, it doesn't mean you can just let everybody run amok. Um, but you try to kind of direct that path and, and you see after you've been there a while, the difference between a junior high kid that's trying to figure it all out and just has tons of energy and someone that really needs some direction because they're really lost. And, uh, mm-hmm. and either way, you're trying to help that person out. But I think that's two different things. So from, from middle school right. teachers to you, I'm, I'm giving you the blessing right now. It's okay. We absolve you. Well, I shouldn't <laughs> okay. say that because well, I don't know. There might okay. be somebody out there that has a big grudge against you. But <laughs> I would say there, there, might, there might be a couple, and it's okay if they do. But, um, but what I was getting at was that I remember sitting in class when I was younger, and if I felt like we were doing something – that literally was just busy work or I couldn't see how this, you know, homework assignment that you gave us has any relevance to me being a better person or being a better student. If I, if those questions were asked in my mind, I would shut down on an assignment. I would just, I would. And I remember thinking this is a waste of time. And 
Now, granted, the unfortunate part of that is, guess what? At 14 years old, when I was questioning all this, turns out you don't know everything at 14. <laughs> turns out that you uh, you might think something is waste of time, and you might think that something is irrelevant when it's actually very relevant, and and someone is trying to really get a good lesson to you, you know, and help you along. So, unfortunately, I'm sure that was part of it. But I mean, you know what I mean, though, when when you're sitting in that class and you know the teacher or the coach or whoever isn't really passionate about what they're doing, um, when it does feel like busy work. I remember sitting in those classes a little bit and thinking to myself, like, I I don't want to be that type of person. Like, I don't want to be a person that's just going through the motions I want to, whatever it is that I do in life, I want to be purposeful and I want to help people. And I think students now, I think more than ever, kids pick up on that. I think there's a larger group of students now that really want to know and see why is this important? Why do I need to know this? And why should I, why is this relevant to what I'm doing today? And I think a good teacher is going to explain that and get them to understand like this is why you know this is um one of the best examples that i can give you just in recent time is i've got a couple students as i said earlier who struggle in school they they are not getting good grades outside of my class and you know they were i heard a couple of them complaining about a math class or a math teacher the other day and but they do well in woodshop and I said, what, did, what do you think it is that you're doing in here? And I think they were, I can't remember. They might have been complaining about like a rise over run or, you know, Pythagorean theorem or something like that. And I said, what do you think woodworking is? Like you're using the Pythagorean theorem constantly. You know, a three, four, five triangle. How, how else are you going to square this box up? You know, you're making a picture frame. How are you going to square this frame up? And I could tell a couple of them when I sat them down and was like, that this is the real world application of why that's important, you know? And I think for, I'm lucky enough to be in a program like that. There's other programs like that where you can teach students like, this is the why, you know, I know sitting in math class isn't fun, but there's a reason why you're in there. And there are real world applications that you can take from there and use that, can make you a lot of money. You know, yeah. you can go off and start your own construction company. You can be, become a great mechanic, you know, and it's because you understand how numbers work. Yeah. So, or at least you can be handy into your own house, which people can say a lot of stuff. If you have a home and you can maintain even just the basic stuff and be able to do things around there, you're going to be, better financially than a lot of people because you're in the know and um, sometimes people miss those things and I think you're right and I and I know in math curriculum particularly and I'm not trying to go for one certain thing that's been a big push I would say the last decade I remember gosh it was early on in my career where they really were pushing on math classes to use real life application and i think the thought behind that is exactly what you're saying how do we get people to have that light bulb turn on and say this is important while you show them the why and to go back to the why 
that's been a thing for Americans since the beginning of this country. And I'm going to give you an example. I can't think of this guy's name ever since he even brought it up. I can't get it. Um, Continental Army. One of the biggest things they had to do was get discipline and to do drills, military drills together so they were in uniform. And there is one guy that Washington brought in that the gentleman was basically thrown out of his own army. And he brought it in. And, th- and this guy basically wrote the manual for the Continental Army um, and went through all the drills. And he was just in his own journals and diaries was talking about the thing that was making the soldiers different than some of the other ones that he had trained is they wanted to know the why. Why do I need to hold a musket in this way? Why are we standing in this formation this way? What? And so what he found himself doing was not only showing the drill, but then explaining to them here's why we do this. And once he started explaining the why, they were getting it at a faster rate and the buy-in was there. And they were able to explain that to the next set of troops that came in. And it just became kind of a, a snowball, if you will, where now we're passing the message on why we're doing this. And now people are buying into, oh, well, this isn't just do it to do it. This is do it because here's what, here's what our end result or what we want to happen. Um, and you take that concept and you're just applying it to today, you know, and I, and I think everybody, that's the same thing. You know, if you start a new job or you're doing whatever, when you start to get the bigger picture of this is why things happen this certain way, you get people to buy in why they're doing it. Cause one of the, <laughs> one of the worst responses sometimes people give is, well, we've always done it that way. And that's where people are like, mm, you know. But why have we always done it that way? And and and, and it's okay to question those things, to, to ask some questions as far as those things, um, and try to get that bigger picture. So what do you what do you think has changed? We talked a lot about the kids and, and kind of where we see their mindset at and things, and a little bit about society. We've hit on that. Um, how about how about teaching itself? The, from the teaching aspect of things, what do you think? has changed since when we go back when we were kids to where we're at now? What are some of the things you're seeing change? Before I answer this, I'm going to jump on what you finished with, which is we've always done it this way. So I have a friend that uh, he was uh, doing a really good job out of Springfield. He was uh, working for Channel 1450. And in his Twitter handle, he has a thing that says, death to, we've always done it this way. I've always been like, yes, yes, kill, kill it. And the other one you've probably seen is, uh, it's just a like a motivational quote, but it says, the most dangerous phrase in the English language is, we've always done it this way. And yeah, I, that's been something that's laid on me pretty hard in the last few years where I've realized, you know, and I've talked to you about some of my coaching mistakes. When you get, you kind of, when, when I learned a few years ago, when you start getting comfortable, that needs to be an instant red flag. Like when you get comfortable, it's okay to feel good and be like, yeah, yeah but you need that little edge of like, okay, I got to make sure I'm taking care of this. I got to, you know, I got to, we're not quite here yet. When you start getting comfortable, you get complacent, you get relaxed. And that's when my biggest mistakes have came. 
you know what? That's that. That's another great part of having people that are willing to push you, and you, and you sometimes giving them the okay to do that. I mean, and I've got several different coaches that do that type of thing, but I, I, I mean, Micah Hay. I'm going to give him another little tidbit on him. I always like call us the yin and the yang. We work really well together, and we we're we're working towards the same goal. But he's not afraid to get in my ear and be like, hey, we need to start thinking about maybe doing this a little bit different or that. And even even from the outset, if I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, you know, things have been working this way and this and that. I'll take some time. And I'm getting better. You know, that's one of the things you've even brought up. And I, I meant to get back to this, that, you know, sometimes as you age, when you have kids, uh, when you age a little bit and you've been in your profession for a while, um, you start to realize you got to start. Sometimes you got to calm it down and, and and think over what's what's happened or what's going on and kind of give a pause to just let it sink in. And that's one of the things that I've gotten better at is taking suggestions and being like, okay, why is he suggesting that? Let's get the why out of him of why he thinks that's going on. And then I have to sit down and go, okay, do I agree with that? Do I think we need to tweak that? Do we need to just try that? And the other part of that is. It's okay to try new stuff and fail. I've done it before. I mean, obviously you don't want like a big catastrophe to happen, but you know, with sports and things like that, try a new method once in a while and see if it fits or if it doesn't fit. And maybe it fits for certain athletes that you have or students, and then for other ones it it doesn't. You know, that's the differential teaching method that we're always being talked about. And sometimes we make it such a big scale thing that we just make this blah blah. And sometimes it's just something simple and i'll even go back to math class you might have the smartest math teacher in the world that can do any equation there is but that kid sitting out there doesn't think the same way that you do and the question is how do you relay what you can do here to them there and you might have to try different methods and different kids are going to work different ways and um and it's just trying out trial and error and and it you know, it might work for one, it might not work for another, and then you, you try a couple different ways, and then maybe the light bulb turns on for them. So it's it's just a part of that process. You said a couple of good things there, <clears throat> and it's interesting because it's a perfect segue into something that I had written down here. But uh, you talked about failure and about how, you know, sometimes – you know, by working through something, by, you know, having a coach that is willing to kind of challenge you a little bit, you know, somebody there that's pushing you, um, you know, when you're going to have those failures. And I also think that that's an important thing to go through for yourself. As long as you understand that that's part of the journey, that's actually, that is literally how you get better is by failing. Like you don't get better if you never fail. Um, I've always, I just, I always talk to my wrestlers. Like I would never, I would never say I'm outwardly rooting against you to lose, but I have yet to coach an undefeated wrestler in my life. And honestly, I don't really ever want to because I can't imagine the weight going into a state tournament with an undefeated record on what that's got to that big thing hanging on your back you know, what that's got to feel like. Um, but allowing kids to fail is a good thing. You know, even my children, like 
I don't, like, when I'm playing my boys in games, like, I'll let them win every now and then, but I don't let them win every time. Like, they they need to know, like, they need to know, hey, you lose, but you also don't quit and walk away. Yeah. You know, that should, that should kind of, like, oh, okay, well, dad beat me in this one. Now I got, now I got to come back. Right. I got to work harder. And that's what you want to see. You want to see that fire in their belly. And that's and one of the you, things that even my own kids, I've, I've worked, I'm trying to work with, like, uh, we've got, for Christmas, we got this laser tag game. And uh, if the kids lose, it starts to become like they're whining or crying about something. And I just tell them, like, you know, hey, that's a part of life. You're not going to win every time. And then you learn and adjust from it. And then my next, you know, if it continues, it's just like we're done playing this game because if you can't handle a loss, then I, I can't play with you because that's not what I do. <laughs> and and um, you know, instead of calling it a loss, sometimes, and I don't do probably a good enough job of this, and that's going to be, I think, one of my goals this next season is instead of calling it a loss, it's a learning experience. What what did you learn? Okay. And, and my guys know this already. Cause it's, it's interesting. I think of a guy a couple of years ago that I don't even remember what we were going on in practice. You know, we drilled something several times that week. He goes out and he does the opposite of what we're supposed to do. When he came off the mat, you know, give him a little bit of time and we start to talk and he looked at me and he goes, I already know what you're going to tell me. I should have did this. We did it in practice. Da 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 da. So, you know, I just looked at him. I go, well, then, you know, so now fix it next time. If if we already know, then let's just let's work on making it right. And and that's a great thing because he when you can self evaluate what you do, you you are taking the next step. You know, and we've talked about film before. Some people it's pretty squeamish to watch film because you see these mistakes. But once you get over that awkwardness and you're watching film, and you start looking at how am I using this to get better instead of, well, you messed that up. You messed this up. You messed this up. Instead of here's a learning opportunity. Here's how we get a little better. Let's do this. Um, when you start to think that way, it really changes your mindset of, of what you're doing. Um, and you don't, you don't perceive losses the same way. And that doesn't mean you still don't have heartfelt losses. I mean, that still happens. Um, but even those can springboard into something else at some point. So like I said, one of my goals yep. hopefully this year is when I'm talking to somebody about a loss, I'm going to, I'm going to try to remember to frame it as uh, <laughs> it's, it's a learning experience. What did you learn? What did you learn? Now, you know, if one of my freshmen goes out and wrestles a two time state champs and just gets whomped on, you know, that conversation might, what did you learn? <laughs> that guy's really good, coach. That guy's really good. Or maybe that maybe sometimes that's it. You know, that's sometimes you have those moments where you you just gotta say, okay, chalk that one up, forget about it. You know, if we can pull anything out of it, great. Maybe we can't. Um, and you hear about like football teams and stuff doing that. Like they just have a bad game, they get blown out of the water, and they go back to the coach. Well, what are you gonna work on? You know, well, we're gonna look at the film real quick and we know that we had a bad game or whatever it was and not dwell on it. We're not going to dwell on it. We're yeah. moving on to Cincinnati. That's a, that's. I agree. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're hey, we're moving on. You know, I mean, that's and that's what you got to do. Um, I'm going to. So I told you that I had a reading. It was interesting because you and I we had text text back and forth about what we wanted to talk about. 
threw a couple ideas back and forth to each other. And then just separately, about a half hour before we started recording this evening, I was reading out of my new book that I just received. And, uh, and I'm just reading the forward tonight. And in the forward, there's about a paragraph here that I thought, wow, that's like right on, dead on. And, uh, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and read this paragraph to you. By all means, although I right. really think that all you're trying to do is show off your new microphone, but that's okay. Well, I just, you know, I mean, I do feel cool. Yeah, it's nice. With this new microphone. I hope the coolness is coming across to our listeners. I hope they're like, man, he has got a smooth and silky voice. <sighs> Yes, I'm. I'm sure that's exactly what everyone listens. That's to what my point. wife tells me. I mean, Jackie tells me that she's. It's one of the reasons she married me. Doesn't she have like um, hearing problems? She has hearing aids. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Yes, she does. All right, so let's not. All right, I'm moving on. Okay, so I'm gonna read to you tonight. Uh, this is uh, somebody who I'm a huge fan of. And his writing, uh, I've been listening to his podcast and his lectures for years. Uh, this is out of the Jordan Peterson book, 12 Rules for Life. The foreword is written here by, let me see here, let me, let me get you his name, get you this fella's name. Forward, Norman Doidge. I think I'm saying his last name right, Norman Doidge. But anyways, um... Partway through his forward here, he's talking about he's talking about a topic that Jordan Peterson talks about a lot, which is that life is suffering. Like life, basically, uh, life is tragic. Life is suffering. There's suffering all around us, and he does not use that in a way of negativity. He uses it in a way of of reality and understanding how you can, I guess, work your way through the world. Like if you, if you're the guy, the, the happy smiley guy that you just think that nothing bad is ever going to happen to you or any of your family or anything, you're, you're kind of being delusional. Right. And, and you kind of, you like, I know some people who are that way. And honestly, I would say that they rarely deal with their problems. They rarely deal with, you know, some real life problems when they come up. And so anyways, what he's reading, what he's talking about here is he's talking about how life is suffering and that. Um, but if you believe that that all of these extrinsic things that are put on you for life to be suffering if you believe that you don't have any control over that, then that's your exact problem. You you have to be able to handle, you know, how life comes to you. And and one of my wrestling coaches growing up, Coach Manhan, always used to say, "Hey, life is ten percent of what happens to you and ninety percent of how you react to it." And I remember hearing that at a young age, and I remember that sinking in pretty hard with me, and I still live by that. Um, but what he's talking about, he's actually talking about children and raising children. And then like as children grow into young adults, but he says, rearing kids is hard. Work is hard. Aging, sickness, and death are hard. And Jordan emphasized that doing all, all that totally on your own without the benefit of a loving relationship 
or wisdom or the psychological insights of the greatest psychologists only make it harder. He wasn't scaring the students. In fact, they found this frank talk reassuring because in the depths of their psyches, most of them knew what he said was true. Even if they, even if there was blah, even if there was never a forum to discuss, to discuss it, perhaps because the adults in their lives had become so naively overprotective that they deluded themselves into thinking that not talking about suffering would in some way magically protect their children from it. And going along with allowing kids to fail and going along with allowing students to fail or you and I are wrestling coaches and, you know, putting wrestlers through challenges that are going to challenge them and they might lose and they might get beat and they might, you know, take a hard lesson out of that. But through that lesson is the absolute best way that they can themselves learn how to get better. And then in my belief, they get to take ownership of it. So it's not even just me. Hey, if I tell you, hey, Chris, uh, you know, if, hey, if you are driving too fast on a snowy, icy day, then you could get in a really bad rut and you need to not drive fast and make sure that you're keeping yourself well under the speed limit on snowy, icy conditions. And you're like, ah, whatever. I'm not going to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about, old man. And then you get in a car on a snowy and icy day and you're driving faster than what you should be. And you come up to a stop sign and you hit the brakes and you slide through the stop sign and you go flying through and, you know, maybe you go into a ditch and nothing bad happens, but you, but you get the bejesus scared out of you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what what lesson there do you think sinks harder to you? It's going to be the wreck, right? Other than me just telling you about right. it. And so in that, you know, in that failure, you know, now you have to take ownership of that wreck. Man, that was my fault. And now you're probably a lot more likely to drive a lot smarter when the weather's like that. So that's a quick example, but I really like this reading and I thought that it fit really well with our topic tonight. Yeah, I agree. It fits really well. I'm almost wondering if you talked to my dad before we had this conversation. Cause <clears throat> I, I did. My senior I did year, talk to my, Dan. My senior year in high school, I actually took a car <laughs> off the side of the road during winter and ran into a telephone pole. That was like the week of regions. <sighs> And I was I was gonna use a telephone pole in the yeah. example too as I was talking. It was a so. gosh, I don't want to get into a story, but it was a it was a road. It was Galena, which is the main drag going through Dixon. I actually just got done working out, and there was one side of the road that's kind of slanted down towards this building and where the telephones pole were, and then like the left side was it didn't slant as hard because it's the middle of the road. It just happened to be on the right side. And the slowest motion crash in all of history happened. I mean, I wasn't moving at a great speed or anything like that. I was, whatever, I was just going home from my workout, and I just slid the car. And I sh- but guess what? Even to this day, and they've redone this road, even to this day, when it's winter, on Galena, right by this courthouse, I stay in the left lane instead of the right. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so you're, yeah, you're old, absolutely correct. Old, and you can hear, and you can hear old man Bishop in your ear the whole time. Yeah, I don't need to. I don't even need to think about him in my ear. I just know exactly which pole it was <laughs> and everything else. I mean, I just there it is. <clears throat> so, but yeah, I think that passage okay. hits hits really well. Um, so you go yeah. ahead. You well, you had you had started to ask me a question about fifteen twenty minutes ago. And yeah, actually, and that's what I was just about to get back to. Hey, you're bringing it back. I am bringing it back. See, I'm. Right. I'm not going to let you, you keep. Br- Keep trying to take over this with your with your stuff all over the place. So I'm Are bringing you bringing back. sexy back? I I don't know. I, I'll try, but I can't guarantee anything. What do you think? Cha- what do you think has changed? Um, and you could say since we were kids, or you can even say since the beginning of your career with with the coaching and teaching aspect. And we've talked about the kids, and we've talked about how we've had to adjust a little bit. But I guess I'm trying to see what what overall themes are you kind of seeing or transitions that you've you've seen over that time period. Wow. Well, interestingly enough, because I have some other things written down here that I do want to talk about, and it's from that. Tim Kennedy podcast that I was listening to the other day that I was telling you about. For those of you who don't know who Tim Kennedy is, he's one of the scariest dudes on the planet. He's a retired Green Beret. He fought in the UFC. Uh, You can look him up on Instagram on lots of different platforms, but he is a bad dude. And uh, I was listening to him on a podcast the other day and he talked about these things from 20 years ago. I'm going to point them out. They're going to be negative, but I'm but we're going to tie it into a positive. But he said like basically in the podcast he asked the person, "Which do you think is more from and he was talking about the year 2000 and the year 2020." Okay? So, year 2000, year 2020. Um, where, uh, in year 2020 are, when we're talking about, let's talk about young America. Okay. 20 and under are kids more obese or less obese. I would guess more, especially right now. More, more obese. Um, Childhood obesity is up, and I don't have the number in front of me, but childhood obesity is way up, even from just 20 years ago. Um, Let me see here. Can't read my own handwriting. That's odd. Says the man that makes kids work on their handwriting. Right. Now, I will tell you, I'm upfront about them, and I tell them that I have horrible handwriting, but my handwriting has gotten a lot better in the last five or six years than it was. So I'll go into that later. Are you saying that this actually pays off? Yes. Even in the ripe old age of 38, still practice pays off. Uh, Okay, next question. Uh, The year 2020, are, are students achieving higher or lower academic scores according to like standardized testing? Uh, that's what well, that was about to be my question based off of what? Uh, okay. Standardized testing. I would say we're lower now. Lower. Lower. Okay. Lower. 
And then finally, um, uh, participation levels in sports, clubs, activities at school, higher or lower in the year 2020? Then 2000, I would say lower. Lower. So what you have in the year 2020 is you have more, more childhood obesity, uh, lower academic scores, and uh, lower participation levels in sports. Um, now, I think we're long overdue for people to understand the importance of community, getting involved, being involved in activities. Over the last 20 plus years, we've created this idea that, hey, uh, you can just sit at home. You don't have to physically be active. Um, you know, people don't eat right. We don't eat healthy uh, like we should. And, you know, those types of things all rolled up into one, all create a pretty bad scenario for people that, that really, and, and I truly mean this, like there's, there's people that I really feel for that I think get themselves into a bad rut for whatever reason they, they make. And it, those decisions normally, they don't get, it's not like a decision that gets made. Like, am I going to be overweight? Yes or no. You know, am I uh, just going to watch movies and video games all day and not read books or not, study and try and improve myself. You know, normally it's not a yes or no question. It's normally over time, one choice gets made, then another choice gets made. Apathy and laziness keep kicking in. And eventually now you've made 10 years of those bad decisions. You know, and there's, I've had times in my life that I look back on that I'm not happy about myself with, you know, and I'm, I, I made poor eating choices or poor health choices. And I get upset about myself about it. I'm now, I would like to think that I'm the healthiest I've been in my adult life, but it's honestly me thinking back to that time when I wasn't healthy, you know, and even, and then the other thing I will add to that real quick is I've instantly noticed that as my physical health increases, my mental health increases. Yeah. They just, they go hand in hand and I I think it's really hard to be mentally right if you're not physically right. And so when you talk, when you ask me what's different about kids, I think starting at home, you know, you have to like import the idea and the understanding like that this is going to be an ongoing thing. This isn't like a, you know, just it's about a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's about teaching children a lifestyle and, you know, you and I, we want to see kids active. Like, I don't care if they're not wrestling, then go play basketball, yeah. then go join chess, then go. I don't care what it is. Be involved, be active, you know, put yourself around people. Well, it's, it's going back to the academic side. Just like we said, find your niche, see what you like and, and pursue it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Um, do you know who Isaiah Roby is? I feel like I've heard that name. Well, he's in the NBA. He plays for the Thunder now. He's a Dixon High School graduate. Okay. At one point when he was a younger kid, we were in the weight room, and I remember this. Um, <laughs> he was lifting weights with a group of kids, and I think I was watching him or something, and I was trying to get him to go out for wrestling and this and that. And obviously that didn't work out. Thank God it didn't because he ended up in the NBA. But 
I was very happy for the kid. I, I obviously still am. He's our hometown's very proud of him. Um, but the point being is he he found obviously the niche and he he grew to whatever height he is now, monster of a man. Um, but finding that niche and then just I mean pushing people and that's that's something I really try to do of of just like you said getting people active and I don't know what it is going to be for certain people but whatever it is you know I want to encourage you as long as it's a positive thing to go do it you know and uh, and I think that's really important uh, and not just to kids I mean even people that are out doing whatever I mean and you see things on social media or whatever like talking about you know positive encouragement which I think is really good um, but you see someone that's trying to take care of their health, you need to be positive with that person and say, Hey, nice job. You know, like, yeah, I think, I think the world of that, because just like you're saying, people look at things and it's not, it's not usually just one choice that led it. It's those little choices. And it's a day after day thing. And I can give you a snapshot of something that I did recently that I can think that's like, Oh, well, this wasn't healthy for me. Uh, around the holidays, my brother from Alaska came down, and I'm usually pretty good about, you know, I run so many times a week, I lift weights so many times a week, and I just feel healthy and I feel refreshed, just like you said, your 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 body's healthy and then your mind will be. Um, and he came back, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take two weeks off, and we're going to eat whatever, and we're going to just kind of have a good time and just kind of enjoy our company. Well. You know, after two weeks he left and I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, you look terrible. And I kind of felt terrible. And it was just because I got off my regimen of what keeps me healthy, what makes me feel good. Um, and sometimes you need a reminder of, oh, yeah, there's a reason I do all that. It's not only to keep my body in shape, but to make sure I'm I'm healthy physically and mentally. And Joe Rogan, I've heard his show. He's He's gone over and talks about, you know, the value of, of working out and what that does to you mentally. Um, especially in like stressful times, if you have stress, well, I can't, I, I can't push this enough. If you're in a really stressful situation and you feel things pounding down on you, if you can find a way to, in a positive way, work out or physically exhaust yourself in a positive way, then you'll slow down. You'll, you'll, you'll have the, I really worked myself up and then, you know, you're going to calm down and, and you'll get a chance to have some rest and you'll have some clarity. And that happens a lot for people. And I know that's one of the things for me, you know, stressful situation, things are going, if I get a good workout in and I really just get to lose myself for a little while in that, then I know the next time I go back to that subject or whatever it is, I'm going to be in a different mindset about it than I was when it started so we had a I don't know why that button got clicked uh, um, we had a remote learning day today and I'd been sitting inside you know I had to be on some Google meets and stuff like that this morning by the way and that's I got one, off that's that's one key way that education has changed right and i think yeah right be changed absolutely um but so i got done with my last group and i was like i just need to get out of the house and it was it was cold today but there was no wind and the sun was out and it wasn't snowing anymore it's just crystal clear sky 
and I went and ran this afternoon and the rest of my day, I felt awesome. I just got that fresh, clean snow air into my lungs and, and ran out here and nice, peaceful, quiet. And, uh, by the time I got back, I was like, I, I, you know, just that little thing. Um, another good example is last summer I, I got into this group that was working out pretty hard. I was doing this online thing and I'd been doing it for about two weeks. And then, uh, my family and Caleb's family, we went up to uh, Minnesota to just go spend some time doing some hiking and stuff like that. And so I hadn't missed a work. I'd been working out before then. So I was in okay shape. And then I hit those two weeks pretty hard and we were working out every day. And on my last day, on my day coming home, we're in the car for nine hours, right? And it's just, we want to get back and we got kids in the car. We got all these kids screaming, you know, and everybody's just tired. We want to get back home. So we're slamming all Sunday trying to get back home. And, you know, what do we do? We're stopping. We're getting fast food and Burger King. And I'm like, oh, I, I shouldn't be eating this. I shouldn't be eating this, you know, but I ate it anyways. And then Monday, I get back into that workout and I almost puked all of it back up. I mean, I just felt all of it on me just from that one day. And it just instantly, it like, it also reassured me, like, this is why this is important of like, and I'm not, I'm still not, I'm still not great at eating healthy. I mean, I eat a way healthier, but I'm still not great at it. But I can tell you that when I'm eating right and I'm working out, it is amazing how mentally right you will get as well. So and put those little aspect, things add up. Uh, another aspect that we haven't, haven't talked about and, uh, uh, as far as that goes too is just uh, sleep patterns too. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm really focused on younger people. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it makes a big difference in me, and I'm sure it does you. But younger, younger people, I mean, we've all had, I'm sure you've had kids in class, and I've had kids in class that, you know, they're just falling asleep at the desk. And you can ask them, and usually they're really honest. Hey, man, what's what's going on? Oh, man, I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning playing Call of Duty. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> and you stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning, and you got class at, eight o'clock in the morning. That's what's going to happen. You can't, you can't burn the candle at both ends and think that you're going to be. And that's, and, and that's one of those getting off the path things right there. You know, you your, your decision is to play a video game at maybe 11 o'clock at night. Well, you should be going to bed, especially if you're a high school student, if it's 11 o'clock and you're up, you need to go to sleep. Yeah. And a big part of that too is, we talk about this during wrestling season for that, for sleep things is like, you need to make a time and say, my phone is done now. I'm going to put it away because yeah. you're sitting there. It's by you. It dings. You get up, you look at it. Next thing you know, you're talking to somebody else for an hour yep. and, and you just missed it. And, and you have those conversations with people and, and, and kids especially. And, and they only realize it's been an hour, but they will when you start to talk to them about it. Yeah. Uh, one girl I had in class, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I can't remember if it was eight or nine o'clock, but I, we were just talking about phones and stuff one time. And she says, yeah, you know, my parents, you know, my bedroom's upstairs. And when it hits, I think it was nine o'clock, nine o'clock, I have to go down and I have to put this phone on the charger and it's downstairs and I can't see it until the morning. And I just thought, you know, there's, there's some people looking out 
for their kid and saying, you know, right now you're, you're not old enough to make those types of choices. So we're just going to take some of those options away and it's for your health. I'm not old enough. <laughs> Do we need to put you on a plan? I'm a- <laughs> probably so i've gotten a lot better but but i i think yeah those are easy habits to fall into that you know and and like you said you know all of a sudden you know you don't intend to it but now all of a sudden it's 2 a.m it's 3 a.m it's tuesday night and then what are you gonna do what like think about how the rest of that scenario goes yeah. okay well maybe maybe you were supposed to be in the weight room working out with your wrestling coach the next morning but guess what? Oh, I stayed up till two or three and yeah. uh, maybe I'm not going to make the weight room this morning. And then all of a sudden you sleep in and then you show up to school a little bit late and then you're still not feeling good because you still only got like five hours of sleep. And then you get back into that pattern, you go home and then what do you do? You do it again yeah. and then you wake up late again. And then right. you, so now you're, you're running on several days of short sleep. And you've started to create a pattern that already is not going to be successful and it's just going to create more stress. And no, I, I completely agree. And I, you know, you and I, I'm sure can both name the families who are really proactive about uh, getting their, you know, children and students to eat right. I, I, during wrestling, I just say eat right, sleep right. Yeah. Like if you're eating right and you're sleeping right, you know, that's half the battle right there. Right. And, but you know, and then there's also kids who come into class and you just know they're just, you know, staying up too late and now they're not going to be successful during school. Well, another part to even to throw in that, because I think it's important because I don't want someone listening to be like, you know, Hey, you know, you can never play video games. You can never do this. No, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest too. I think there is a time and place for that. I, I, you know, if it's Friday night, and you got five friends, and you got nothing going on on Saturday that's super important. And they sit around, and they play video games until midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, and they're all hanging out at somebody's house. Well, I guess now they can be at their own houses. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's just setting a specific time where there's not something early in the morning that you have to do, and it's all about moderation. And you can look at life whatever way you want to and you can almost overindulge in probably anything there is right i mean so setting specific times to do things like that is fine but it's it's just like you said don't fall into the trap where it's tuesday and i did it now it's wednesday now it's thursday when i do it and then you know oh you know after this weekend i'm not going to do that again and then you just go right back into it and that's it's a hard cycle to break no matter what it is. And it might be I eat cheeseburgers on, you know, every Wednesday. Well, wrestling season just hit, man. So cheeseburgers on Wednesday, probably not going to work. All right. So we're, we're, we're kind of filled up our time. And I don't want to leave everybody on just me and Chris bashing on people who eat cheeseburgers and play video games. No, I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> And I used to I used to get into video games a decent amount. I wasn't a huge gamer, so they're both positive in my eyes. Okay. So but then in Chris Bishop's mind, how how what are the things that you do? What's one of the easiest ways to mitigate these things and and to you know, stay on the right path? Well, just just like I said, I mean set a set a schedule. If you like video games, then 
you have to sit down and figure out what would be the appropriate amount I should be playing in a week or a day or whatever it looks like. Um, if you like to eat bad foods, once again, you, you've got to realize I can only do that so many times before it's going to affect me really negatively. So I, I, I don't think there's a defined um, thing right off the top of my head, but I think it's about sitting down and being honest with yourself and then saying what what's really the best thing for me overall because it comes back to motivation you know um external motivation you know i show you a video of someone climbing a mountain or whatever it is you might get really hyped up and that's what i call a short-term motivation so i can get you to get a good workout in maybe one or two days and i can harp on it for about a week or so but if i find a way to get you to motivate yourself because you start seeing things differently and you start to realize, Hey, I'm doing these things for me because I feel better when I do them. That's how you build that long-term, you know? And I, and then a lot of times I take that back to like fad diets. Hey, I'm going to do this for a set amount of time. Well, if your diet that you're doing, if you only feasibly can do that for, let's say a month or whatever it is, and then it's not a long-term plan. Well, it's going to work great for motivation for maybe your month or whatever. I know even people struggle there. But if it's not a long-term thing, it's it's hard to keep motivated to do that. Um, so I think that's one of the keys is get people buying into themselves. And it sounds so silly when you say it like that. Like, why wouldn't someone want to buy into themselves? Well, sometimes they don't realize that's that's what they're doing. You know, they don't realize they're buying stock in themselves by doing these good things for themselves. And we all fall into it. You know, I like to say investing in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Investing in yourself. So I'm going to take that one step further and say that I think the best way, and it's along of what you just said right there, but I think the best way to squash um, eating poorly, staying up too late, um, just making bad lifestyle choices are put yourself and talk to people, but put yourself around people who care about you. Like, you know, um, a quote I've always heard is, you know, do you want to know what type of person you are? Look at the five people that you spend most of your time with, like voluntarily. The five people that you spend most of your time with, you're, you're a summation of that. And so if you look at those people and you're like, well, he's not, you know, that guy's not making good choices, but, you know, he's a funny guy and I like hanging out with him, but I know he's not making good choices. Well, guess what? You're putting yourself around him. And if you're really serious about yourself and you're, you're serious about making good choices yourself then you need to be more cognizant about those people that you're spending that voluntary time with. So I would uh, encourage anybody to look at who those people are and are those people invested in you also, you know, not just having to invest in yourself, but are your friends, do they want to see you succeed at whatever it is? You know, Chris, if you told me that you wanted to be the best opera singer to come out of Dixon, Illinois, then I would say you should go do that, Chris. And I would encourage you and I would support you. I would hope after you heard me once, you'd also be very realistic with me because um, I would need that. And and since, you're, since you've been starting your speech about looking at the people you're around, 
I'm I'm I am now kind of thinking about you because we've been doing these podcasts and I'm like, well, I gotta think about this guy. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. No, I think you made some great points there. And uh, I think especially when someone is young, the crowd you're running around with, um, they make a huge impression on you. There's no way around that. And, and and I think being in the situations we've been in and are in, you see that all the time. Um, and, and you can, man, you can make that your strength. You can make that your strength. Um, and if and yeah. if there are some poor choices being made, and you really feel like this is these are good people, they're just some people are making some bad decisions. It's okay to have a tough conversation because you might you might get mm-hmm. them to realize, hey, that's not good, and they pull out of it. And people go different paths. It, 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 it's hard, especially when you're young and you've had somebody as your friend in a long time. Um, Sometimes you might have to step away from friends for a little while and sometimes they come back and things work out and sometimes you both go your own path and that's maybe what it was meant to be. I've, I've had that conversation with high school students before about trying to help them see, you know, look, I'm, I'm looking at your goal sheet here and you're telling me that you want to be a state placer. But I know for a fact that you go hang around this kid who uh, has dropped out of all of his sports. I know what his grades are like. You know, he gets D's and F's. Um, I know what he's doing. I know the people he's hanging out with. But you want to talk about, you know, becoming a state placer. You want to talk about having high expectations for yourself. It might be time to have that conversation with yourself about, who you're putting yourself around, you know, and that's, and, and for a 15, 16, 17 year old kid, that's a hard conversation. That's a hard thing to grasp. That might be somebody that they've been hanging out with for 10 years or they've known their whole life, but they're on different paths, you know, and those are, that's a tough one, but. Hey, uh, one, one other thing that I want to throw in, because you, you were talking about mindset and, and doing certain things. And this is the last thing I'm adding on, because I know we got to go. Um, when you're saying that it's 90% how you react to something, there's this is a guy who hopefully we're going to bring on, uh, Jared Chainer, our current AD. If you call his phone, you know, and you get his phone message, it'll go through and saying this is Coach Chainer and blah, blah, blah. And, leave a message but the end of it he says make it a great day and he did that for a reason because the mindset of you're in charge you're in charge about how it's going and that doesn't mean you can't have bad things happen or whatever but you got to overcome them and you got to set the path because it's a lot of things are your choice and how you're going to react to something so right on it's been a good talk been a long talk holy cow this was the best one i think it's the microphone this was the best one hey, we i mean i know we've only done four right but i told you at the beginning this was going to be the best one and i'm pretty sure we just yeah. did it hey, and just so we can tell everybody if you're hearing kind of a, a weird noise in the background that's a fan that's failing in justin's computer and now he's got this great microphone and it's picking up his failing fan. So don't don't fret. Well, There's you know, nothing. if it's not one, 
if it's not one thing, it's another. I mean, look, we, we've told people to bear with us. So now I upgraded my microphone. Now everybody can hear how crappy the computer is. So now I got to get that fixed. So I told you this was going to be a process. <laughs> so what I'm telling you, get on right now. Get on these American hands train right now because we're going to blow up. And then I don't know if we're going to have time for everybody. So yeah, we'll be busy. with we're going to be busy. <laughs> All right, Justin, well, will everybody... just, Justin will be setting up a merchandise store before it's over with. I got a guy. I, I, let's yeah, do sure this. You got a guy. We, we, I have no doubt. We set, well, let's do this. Let's give ourselves a goal. And then we can get some T-shirts made. All right. Well, let's think about the goal because I don't want. I want to sit down and think. We'll think about the goal. Maybe we could do something, and then you know our our top listeners get a get a free T-shirt, and on the back it can say like I I listened to Chris and Justin's podcast, and all I got was this free (laughs) T-shirt. So, well, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining. We are tired. It is it is 10.05 by my watch, and I got to be in the weight room. I'm the wrestling coach that's going to be in the weight room tomorrow morning. And Don't play video games, somebody's out. Go to bed. I guarantee you somebody's starting Call of Duty right now. Oh, yeah. But everybody, thank hours. you for listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor. Please. When you get done listening to this episode, share it with someone who you think would like to listen to this. Yeah. Text it to somebody, email it to somebody. Yeah. Hit the little follow button, subscribe button, whatever it is on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. And we do appreciate it. And send us a message. Or if you have our number, send us a text message. And let us know what you think about it. Because we want to know. We want to get better. We want the podcast to be better. So, Chris, I'm glad we knocked out the best one yet. Yeah, me too. I'm thrilled. I am thrilled. And with that, these are American Hands.